0: everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. We're your hosts, Angelica and Tisha.
1: We're here to make it easier to talk about and learn about all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it. So let's talk money, honey, onto this week's show. Wow. Do we have a great show for you this week? Oh my goodness. This week we have on Kristen boss and yes, that is her real name. And what a boss she is. She is a mindset and business coach who specializes in helping women build their influence and grow successful businesses that deeply align with their purpose. With nearly 15 years experience working in service and marketing, she's pivoted from celebrity hairstylist to boutique owner to business coach. And we are so excited to talk with her today about pivoting and money mindsets. So let's just dive in and say hello and welcome Kristen to the show. Hi, Kristen.
2: Hello, ladies. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Thank you for coming on excited to be here, excited to talk all things money and business and pivot and purpose, Ton <laughs> stuff. <laughs>
0: Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Um, We always like to start off with you kind of introducing a little bit about your background and how you got involved. Obviously, we know a little bit from what Tisha's intro was, but if you want to just dive right in into your full um, background, into how you became a boss, (laughs) David.
2: Yeah. I became a boss, technically, as I married my husband, and then I (laughs) went into it and owned the name. You're like, this is perfect. (laughs) We're getting here. I'm like, okay, yes. (laughs) What's your last name? Great. I do. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, California, and, uh, I've always been very creative by nature, extremely relational, great communicator. My parents actually thought I was going to go to art school and, uh, I went to college for business It was part of my dad's, uh, compromise. If you want to go to hair school, you're going to learn about business and, uh, kicked my feet about that. Uh, and I'm just so thankful my dad made me do that because it actually paved, uh, for I think much of my success in my early years and brought a different type of mindset to a very creative industry. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, was in the fast lane in Hollywood with some, uh, A-list clients and it was a really amazing experience. I really believe that is where I developed really thick skin as an entrepreneur. I like to say my apprenticeship at the time was uh, when I watched the movie, The Devil Wears Prada, I'm like, oh, that was my life for a good two years. And it was, uh, while it was hard, it was phenomenal. And that is where I learned some amazing lessons, uh, that I still carry with me today that I still coach my students on. And I'll never forget one of them was, uh, dress for the job you want, not the job you have and dress for, uh, as a stylist dress for the clientele you want mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. you have the clientele. And so that so very good. much mirrors how we are in business now. And, uh, it was great fun. 2008 happened. And that was my first professional pivot when the stock market crashed. And I actually brought the hair from the salon into my client's homes and met them where they're at, kind of cut out the middleman and really just elevated that experience and service. And at the same time, I partnered and started a, a freelance mobile a wedding business for hair and makeup with a friend. And we traveled all around LA and uh, it was one of the top rated uh Businesses on the knot for weddings. And so had my share of probably 500 weddings at least. Whoa. So you talk about being able to handle drama and stress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I joke that I was an amateur wedding planner because, you know, hairstylists, they hold a lot of energy on the day of weddings. So mm-hmm. uh, if anybody's listening to this and getting married, just be sure to really love on your hairstylist on your yes. wedding day. Well, well that's and the we're, time when the
0: energy is high and just, yes, you, you know. Yes. And, and we're so, both,
1: Angelica is a wedding, mostly wedding photographer, but she started moving into brand photography and stuff. Oh, and girl. Then,
2: yeah. And then <laughs> I
1: do calligraphy also. Oh, so
2: yeah. So what do you <laughs> (laughs) wedding (laughs) photographers are actually also wedding planners. Like it's not in their job description, but it happens. (laughs) Uh, and so, yeah, from there, um, moved to met my husband, moved to Colorado and started my business from the ground up again, doing hair and then got into uh, an online clothing boutique. And that was a blast. Then I discovered network marketing and that was a blast. And I am just I'm a Jill of all trades, I'm a serial entrepreneur, and I just realized that my deep love, uh, you know, built my my hair stylist career here in Colorado to, very quickly to um, a six-figure career, and it was fantastic, but I really, when we pivot, a lot of times it's, we aren't, feeling Completely fulfilled, and I was asking big questions like, Is this what I meant to do? Is why is this not totally fulfilling for me? This is a very lucrative, easy, great career. I show up, I talk with the ladies, I leave. But there was, I was longing for more, and I realized that my deepest joy it was actually the conversations that were happening in my chair, and that I was developed. I've been coaching women for 15 years, it just happened to do their highlights on the side. <laughs> That's when I realized I, I worked with my first business coach. I picked up my first personal development book and I was never the same. And I found that business coaching is actually the perfect blend of creativity and business and psychology. It's, it's hair just different. It's you're, <laughs> you're bringing your creativity and you're learning about human behavior. You're learning about people, you're elevating them just like I did in my chair. And so I'm like, this is my dream. I am now living my dream. It is my the ultimate purpose. So it took a lot of micro pivots to get here, but here we are at the big, what I call capital P purpose that sets your soul on fire.
0: That's awesome.
2: I so. love it. Well,
0: it seems like all of your entire journey has kind of like led you to this big mm-hmm. moment, you know, like it all kind of prepared you for it, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. And how long, how long has it been since you started this area, this pivot?
2: Um, I want to say I was coaching people for fun on the side. I was seeing, I was, I had people calling me and be like, Hey, can I run some business thoughts by you? And I remember entertaining the thought, like, do people do this? And it was a joke among my clients for years. Like you should be a coach. You should be a life coach. I'm like, nobody does that. And then I realized, (laughs) Oh, Oh, people do this. And so I want to say I dabbled in it a little over a year ago. And then when I decided to go all in, make it a career and really lean into it and develop it and take it seriously, it, it exploded. I mean, exploded.
1: That is (laughs) awesome. That is so great. Do you have any specific tips for somebody who's thinking about pivoting or feels like they should or need to, or questions they should ask themselves. How did you decide that I should, this is where I need to, I need to head in this direction. And this is what I want to focus in on, or what was the signs for you?
2: Yeah. So I actually walk a lot of my uh, clients and my students through this is really, you have to figure out, um, what, what energizes you, what fills you with joy. And it's likely the work you would do for free in the world, Mm. because if, if it's something you would do for free, it's going to make you incredibly failure resilient because you're able to handle the ups and downs of entrepreneurship because you love it so much. Mm-hmm. When, if it's not something you love the first bump in the road, you're out. You don't want to stay in that. So yeah. really sitting with and being like, what do I love? What brings me joy? And what, what am I the go-to girl for? What do people mm-hmm. usually come to for it that I'm cause oftentimes I say that our purpose, we likely have a large, blind spot around. We don't, it comes so naturally to us. We don't think it's something we should be charging money for. And then we have all kinds of guilt around charging money for something that comes so easily to us. Mm -hmm. That's probably the biggest block I see my students working through, honestly. And how do you, do you have any
1: tips to get past that, the guilt and the, the, oh, I shouldn't be earning money for this. Cause that's just such a, you, if you have that you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh
2: yeah. I think that's when you're making it about you. And then mm-hmm. when you realize when you're making it about your, the people that you're helping, you have to realize that they are worthy of spending money on their own transformation and they are worthy of experiencing the transformation that comes in a transaction of saying, I believe it is my, this journey I'm about to go on is worth this. And so when we make this investment, it elevates, it it Mm -hmm. calls us to show up differently in a way that free never, ever does. So when I realized how investment is a gift to my clients, it changed my money story around. Oh, I feel guilty charging them. Like, no. They deserve to experience radical transformation and the bol- and the breakthrough of a belief barrier that happens when they spend money on a dream. That.
0: Wow.
1: I have is so good. Right? <laughs> so good. I love that. Wow, that's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you put it like that, it's so obvious, right? Yeah. <laughs> What are we messing around with, people? (laughs) Our customers are worthy of making an investment and transaction. An investment in themselves in a transaction Mm. with us. That is so good. Wow. Um is uh do you see more people right now because of COVID-19 and everything? Do you see more people wanting to pivot, needing to pivot? Oh yeah. What are you seeing? (laughs) Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. I there's the I'm going to call it there's the opportunity to pivot right now. Mm-hmm. And then there are those who are dealing with the necessity. Of having to pivot and so it people are evaluating I've been telling people we're in this season where while the government was deciding what businesses are essential well business owners are now looking at their own businesses and saying what is essential and what is Mm non-essential and even our lives as business owners and entrepreneurs and saying is this essential to me or is this a non-essential and this is the time to do that reevaluating and asking yourself what creative solutions can I bring to the market right now? Because now is the time for creativity. It really is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. And I've seen it more than ever, which I mean, is a blessing in disguise through all of this is, you know, people now offering products where they were offering services in the beginning. And it's, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun to watch how creative all entrepreneurs are. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I'm sure like, and, I mean, extreme anxiety to like have to pivot in a time where like you don't really know what's going to happen or, you know, mm-hmm. there's just so many unknowns.
2: I would even, well, and a great example of an industry that's taking a great pivot is I'm seeing a lot of photographers doing like, uh, they're called the quarantine porch, porch tricks, Mm -hmm. where they're taking Mm -hmm. these beautiful family photos on people's porches with a, you know, super zoom lens and it's memorable. It's great. It's pretty. And I'm like, that's a, that's a great pivot Mm -hmm. and
1: through windows. I've seen quite a Mm -hmm. few through windows too. So cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what about you have a really active Facebook group it looks like what? tell us a little bit about that and if you've seen the uh activity
2: in there pick up during this time I'm guessing Oh goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have um I want to say just in the month of March alone my my group grew by 500 members just organically wow. and people telling people and uh but I just decided You know, what value can I bring to entrepreneurs and what questions are they asking themselves right now that I can answer for them and make this a time that is joyful and creative and Mm -hmm. where they're seeing opportunity in their obstacles. And I don't hold anything back in my group. I don't pull any punches. And I have a philosophy of, I want my group to feel like a paid group, but it's free. And so I think that really caught on. Uh, And I think a lot of business owners that maybe had an existing online business that maybe they were dabbling with, uh, treating like a side hustle, I think the quarantine forced them to take their businesses more seriously. And so that uh, really changed You know the, the feel in my in my community and my group people are like i need i need mm-hmm. help
1: what is the name of your facebook group so that everybody yeah, can because,
2: find it it's called becoming boss and yeah. it's specifically for on people who do online sales and social selling and i i'm pretty big on bringing more purpose and joy and service to people who do social sales because there's a little bit of a stigma in that industry mm-hmm. and i feel really strongly about like let this industry do things well, especially during a pandemic, you do not want to look like you were out there profiteering and making false promises. And let's not be gross is what I tell my people. I'm like, don't be weird and don't be gross. (laughs) Well, and can you give us an example of what social sales would be and what- Yeah. Yeah. So this would be direct sales, network marketing, uh, people that are maybe in brand partnerships, affiliate marketing, where they're either selling, oftentimes they're selling a product and getting other people to sell products with them, growing teams. Mm -hmm. Um, network marketing seems to be the huge (laughs) tribe I have attracted to me just for how I am teaching them to show up in the online space. And I'm teaching them to do it in a very different way than they've been taught and what you've seen.
1: Okay. And network marketing is what is, what used to be referred to as multi-level marketing, mm-hmm. correct? Okay. Uh,
2: okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, we had a, it, it kind of had a bad rap under oh. multi-level marketing. And so now they're rebranding under network work marketing mm. and you're part of making them a better looking and better business, uh, model for the that way that is they sell. what's
2: happening. Yeah. So that everyone yes.
1: they know isn't getting spammed with oh, yes. a zillion here <laughs> by this, by this, by yes. this, this will change your life. This yes. will change your life and more authentic. Sure.
2: Yes. And particularly it's the girls that have reached the top in their companies and they're asking themselves three questions. Is this it? Is this all? And what's next? Uh, mm-hmm. likely because they don't oftentimes it's cause they don't have a great, perp- they don't have a great personal brand. They don't have a strong sense of purpose in their work. They woke up and decided to sell skincare, got to six figures. And they're like, yeah. do I really get my feet out of bed in the morning? and want to talk all things. Skincare. Is this who I am? It's not. So they kind of go through an identity crisis and that, that's often the the top clients I work with is I'm like, okay, we have to really figure out who you are and how you're meant to show up in the world outside of this company, outside of this product, so that you can really be a change maker in the industry. And that's, that's the shift.
1: Mm, that's huge. Yeah. And we wow. all appreciate you for that.
2: <laughs> Just doing my work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the work of the Lord
2: right there <laughs> doing God's work.
1: <laughs> uh, so as far as that goes, um, what do you, what are some things? So instead of just spamming your, your Facebook and Instagram all day with what you're selling, what are some ways that you suggest that someone can sell without being spammy because that's, that's nobody. I don't think anybody has ever really wanted to be spammy, but they just, you know, you're, they're given the script and they're told here, just say this to everybody, you know, and you'll get huge sales. And that's not the people that got to that six figure level. That's not really how they did it. Is it
2: actually, It is three to five, but that was like three to five years ago when, Mm, when what happened on Facebook is you had a very small percentage of people on social media were doing that. So it wasn't a saturated technique. And now you have people that it's happened in their inbox 80% of the time, they're sick of it. So these people that reached that level of success five years ago, What happens is they now feel crippled because that technique no longer works in the social media landscape today because consumers are a lot more savvy. They don't like feeling sold to people like being sold to, they don't like feeling, Feeling like they're being sold to, yeah. so they want to buy solutions to their problems. People are always looking to buy solutions to their problems, and so uh, what I teach them is is kind of radical. I'm like, okay, you need to actually niche down. What they've been taught is market this to everybody because everybody's life can change by your product. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, no. You know what? You actually have a natural relational capital with a very specific type of audience and people that relate with you most, that like you, that value what you're about. And this idea that industry has also been told, you know, give a lot of value, but they actually don't know how to give value outside of talking about their product. So I teach them, well, who are people that you can actually give value to that energizes you, fills you Mm -hmm. with joy, where you have fun, where it's meaningful. And then, and from there, you have an audience who genuinely likes you as a person and you can sell anything. You can sell a cookbook. You can sell jewelry. As long as they feel like they deeply know you, they resonate with you and you're, and you've positioned yourself to be a problem solver. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, I'm like, solve problems. Meaningful problems, like the sweat test problems, the problems that people are up late at night Googling, wondering how do I fix this problem? Be the person that's like, I know exactly how to help you and I'm not going to ask anything of you. I'm going to provide it for free. And when you've experienced a small win, then I'm going to make an offer and there's trust for you to make a larger investment with me for a huge win, for a macro win. So that's the shift that I'm teaching them. It's a big shift. (laughs) Yeah, it is.
0: Well, and, and then, like you said, going back to being purposeful and being not just purposeful in your work and who you are and what you're offering, but also to your audience. And it's someone that they look forward to watching their stories every day or whatever it is. Um, so I love that. And I think, yeah, it just bring kind of like gives it a full circle, which I really love
2: this is no matter what business you're in every yeah. business needs a purposeful platform mm-hmm. that speaks to an ideal audience, gives them great value and positions themselves as a problem solver. I don't care what you do. That is <laughs> it's across the board. Everyone needs to be doing that.
0: Yeah. Right. Amazing. Oh, so good. <laughs> so, so good. Well, let's, um, jump to another question that we had that you talk a lot about. Um, can you give our listeners top three tips to discovering your hidden money drama? We know that everyone has money mindsets and money drama. And I mean, that's why we started this podcast. So um, yeah, definitely (laughs) share your insights on all of that.
2: I was waiting for the monies. Yes, Yes, I know. Yes. (laughs) money is fun. Um, Yeah. So to discover your, your hidden money story, um, if I could, I'd love to recommend a book. Kate Northrup's mm-hmm. book, Money, a Love Story, was a radical book for me. And uh, we all have a story we tell ourselves around our money. And so the things I typically ask people to look for, the three things I would say to understand what is your story about money is what are your feelings around money? Do you have emotions around money? Do you check your bank account? Do you have anxiety? Are you stuffing your bills under your mattress because you don't want to deal with it? Or, you know, it's almost like, um, do you have emotions when you step on a scale? It's the same thing with your money. Like, do you have emotions when you look at the numbers and have you attached, identity and meaning to numbers if you have attached identity and meaning to numbers then you likely have a money mindset that's hurting in some way mm-hmm. so really getting in touch with what are my feelings around money go open your bank statement and write down the feelings that come up and then mm-hmm. asking yourself okay what thought is derived, is creating those feelings is it the thought of oh no so much money is going out or is it like that thought is going to create crazy anxiety and be like, oh, <laughs> but if there's a the thought of like, wow, look at what's in there. I'm so thankful for all this money and so much more is coming to me. And it's we get into a creative process of like, how else can I put bring value in the world that brings an exchange of monetary value? Because money comes to us based on the impact we are making in the world. And Mm -hmm. so if, if there is not money coming to you, I would have you ask yourself, like, what ways can you add more value and more impact to the world to where they would thank you monetarily?
1: Oh, wow. That's so good. I love that. (laughs) What ways can you add more value to the world? So they can yeah. thank you with money. That is so yes. good. <laughs> thank yes. you. Take my money. <laughs> yes,
2: here's my money. That's so so yeah, thoughts, uh, feelings around money, and um, you know, beliefs you have around money. Do you believe it's it's scarce? Do you believe you have to work really, really hard for it? And I would actually encourage you, and this is in the book as well, uh, but it was some work I did on my own. Was what were my parents? Narratives around money because that has shaped yes. your thoughts around money. You know, you heard you likely heard money doesn't grow on trees, or you know, you gotta money, you know, you gotta all spend money to make money, or you you know, you can't make money unless you spend money, or whatever. You gotta have yeah. money if you want to make it, you know, all right. these lies or equations or stories or quote-unquote facts that we think we have around money that are actually false.
1: So did, how were you, what my money mindset were you raised with? And then it did yeah. this, is this book how you shifted or how did you work through that and shift yours? Man, I, did you a lot of,
2: I did a lot of work around money. Uh, I, I would say, um, getting really clear. I, I mean, there could be a whole episode just about my money story, but, um, <laughs> I had two money stories in my home. My mom grew up where it was very much living from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Her dad was always looking for the next job, and uh, security was really important for her. So much so that when she went on the first date with my dad, she asked him what he did and how much he makes. <laughs> yes, so good. <laughs> Love <But> she <laughs> she's longing for security. So to my mom, money was security. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my dad, he had parents that grew up in the uh, Great Depression. My grandmother was it lived in the Dust Bowl. Everything you had to save, and they lived very humbly because you never knew when the next dep- Great Depression would be. And my dad is right. a boomer, and so my dad worked really, really hard. He was a CEO and built his own company from the ground up. So I watched my dad work really hard for his money, and so I had the belief of like to make great money you have to be working 70 hours a week and Mm -hmm. money's really hard to come by and has to be blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, and it has to be, and it only comes to CEOs, you know, it doesn't come in other ways. And so, uh, and money also I learned was, um, you know, because my dad worked really, really hard for it. And I think that was his money belief that when he saw that it wasn't being stewarded well, it was deeply frustrating to him. And so he would often use monetary consequences if we were out of line. And so mm. money became a, a form of either I viewed it, someone's trying to control me with money or money is meant to harm. Money is used mm. to manipulate. And I don't think my dad didn't do this consciously. And of course not, but in my Mm -hmm. mind as a child taking it in, it's like, Oh, money controls people. So that became a big repelling force and why I pushed money away. And so I had to learn like, why do I push money away? And then also what are my beliefs around this money? Oh, I have to sweat blood and tears. It's really hard. And all these things, so I finally had to come to terms with like, what, what is truth about money? and What do I want to? What is is? Are their beliefs my beliefs, or can I create my own beliefs around money? Yeah,
1: I mean, the fact that you realized that you were pushing it away because it was a form of control—that's huge. I feel like half of our audience just went, "Oh, <laughs> right." I feel like there's so many people out there that. That speaks to, because Mm -hmm. I think that control, I think money is used to be controlling in a lot of situations. And, and like you said, he wasn't aware of it. He thought he was teaching y'all values, good money values. You've got to work hard for it. Even your mom. Security is important. That's an important thing to teach your children. Mm -hmm. But yeah.
2: And I actually had money shame. Like, just like there's poverty shame, there's also money shame. And that was fascinating for me as well, because I grew up in a home where, you know, my needs were met. I grew up very blessed. And I didn't realize. Uh, that that was not normal until I had peers in school being like, Must be nice to have that money. must be nice if my mommy and daddy did this and so that was another way I repelled money because I felt ashamed for having it. And that is where the real belief was, so I wanted to separate myself from my parents' money because I wanted to make sure everybody around me knew. I earned my money. Mm-hmm. So I had this deep need to separate myself from my parents and overcompensate by being a workaholic to prove that I was deserving of money in my life. And that became wow. an abusive relationship with my relationship with work and money.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. And so what did you do to shift this? Were there specific things or reading the book or just a lot of, uh, coaching or what, how did you <laughs> yeah, A lot of coaching, a lot of, a lot of inner work, <laughs> a lot of time on the couch, page, a lot, of, <laughs> yeah.
2: A yeah, lot of inner work, like, writing, the, writing my story and realizing like, um, I could run myself into the ground proving that I'm worthy of the income I have and people mm-hmm. will still think I'm undeserving of it. Mm -hmm. And realizing I have to let that go and realize Mm -hmm. that they are operating from their own money story. And that's, that is healing they need to do on their own. And I've realized when I live with a free and healthy money story, I'm empowering others to have a healthy money story. And I've realized if you put money's money's we're afraid that money's going to turn us into a monster. Mm -hmm. Money is, merely an amplifier or a magnifier of who you already are. Give a, give a generous person money. They're going to be generous. Give, you know, give a kind person money, give someone that loves to give to charity. Like I'm saying, like money just amplifies who you already are. And Mm -hmm. I think some people repel money because they think money is inherently evil. People that have money are bad people. It will change
1: me. Mm -hmm. It will
2: change me. Mm
1: -hmm. But
2: with a new belief, I'm like, well, I'd like to put more money into the hands of generous, kind, good people mm-hmm. in this world.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Take I us to
2: church. <laughs> I know. Gladly. Let's still talk about money there. <laughs> yes.
1: Right. Well, that, yeah, I wasn't planning on going there, but th- oh, it, I, well, it I grew is part of it.
2: I grew up in yes. a religious background. So there, I had a lot of faith complexes around money as well.
1: And I think a lot of people do or, mm-hmm. or did, or, are still do, or still working through that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that it, it all ties in together. I mean, even just tithing and, you know, uh, you know, I, I, from a very young age, uh, but I, I think that can be helpful, but it also can be twisted. So just like everything, it can be a yep. good thing to see that you are giving and what all that entails, but then it can also be there can be guilt associated
0: with that. And oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like this could be like a whole other episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So much good stuff. Oh, wow.
0: I know. Um, I like. <laughs> I'm still like reeling and thinking about everything.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, how many times have I underlined something, written
0: something mm-hmm. down and underlined it? It's just been great. Oh, thank you so much. So now with the going through all of that, um, mm-hmm. you know, money mindset work that you've worked on, um, which is incredible and something that is very inspiring, especially to all of our listeners. Um, so, you went from struggling in your business to $20,000 per month. You know, what made the difference? What really got you there?
2: You clearly worked
1: through your issues. <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's, while well, once you come into 20K months consistently, you have a whole nother set of beliefs to work through so that your subconscious yeah. doesn't go and sabotage that and say, oh, you're not worthy of this. This isn't who we are. Let's just like sabotage back down to the income we're comfortable with and how we've identified in the past. That's a whole other level that you wow. have to work with. So oh you don't goodness. think of
0: that when you're no. in the, you know, the normal range or you're in like the range of like, let's just make at least two or three or four, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's like every hurdle. Ha- I mean, every, yeah, I guess level has do, its hurdles.
1: Do you just do the same? Do you just ask yourself the same questions and address the same issues or do you approach it differently?
2: Uh, same questions. A, a lot of the same questions, same tor- storytelling, but also going back to the facts of like, Who am I? Have I changed? Has this money actually changed me? In what ways have I been charitable and impactful? And just going back to your money narrative of like Mm -hmm. why money is healthy and good and impactful and empowering for self, empowering for others, good for the community, good for the world. So -hmm. you have to go back to revisiting and retelling yourself truths.
1: Right. Rather than like, yeah. Looking at reality and the truth of it instead of the stories.
2: Yes. So Mm -hmm. to answer your question about like, how did that, how did I get from that place? So, you know, I was a hairstylist doing, doing fine, great money. Mm -hmm. Um, but as like stepping into this coach and I knew I wanted to be a really high level coach, uh, and going from, you know, a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there to consistently hitting 20 K months, it started with believe it or not, it started with a terrifying investment that I did not feel ready for. I, Cause I had the belief of when I have the money, when I save up the money, then I'm going to work with a coach to help elevate me, to get me to where I want to be. And you better believe, do you, th- how long do you think I tried like scrapping together a pile of money to work with that coach? And every time I scrapped a pile together, it went to like things like doctor visits and vet bills and repairing a car. And it was like really urgent things and things that feel things that are, there's, there's a two words we use when it comes to money. It's like responsible. And (laughs) we talk about responsible and worthy or investment or debt. We get caught up in, we get caught up in those things. Um, and I think we get really caught up with responsibility, especially as a parent, I have two kids and a husband. And so it just felt investing felt irresponsible. But then I realized Okay. Six months of trying to scrap your stuff together and get where you want to go. This is exactly why you need a coach and maybe you need to. So yeah, my first, I'll I'll never forget. My first investment was $2,000 for six weeks. And I thought I was going to freak out. I was crying. I was hyperventilating. I was in hives. I was like, this is terrifying. (laughs) Um, and I, but I will tell you everything shifted after I made that payment and I had a new belief about myself and it required me to show up differently. And I made no excuses for myself. I'm like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that back. Sure enough, 45 days, made it back in full. And I was like, okay, I'm someone who makes her money back. And that became a new story. I told myself, like when I invest, I show up and I get exactly what I need and I make it all back. This is who I am. A story I tell myself, I invest, I always make it back. And I want to say 45 days after that, I then went on to make a $10,000 investment and same thing hives, sweating whole. I was freaking out and I was like, wait, I'm somebody that always makes her money back. This is who I am. And this is what I do. And I always show up. This is, I'm going to get exactly what I come for. And I made that back in a week, in a what? week, in a week, in a week. And that was my first 20 wow. K month. And that same month, (laughs) that same month, I invested another $10,000 in a mastermind. So I hired both a one-on-one coach and a mastermind. And I spent 20K in that month. And this is where your money beliefs start showing. Because if I didn't believe money was abundant and ready for me whenever I needed it, I would have clung to that 20K and been like, okay, I'm good. This is it. Okay. I'm I'm just going to hold on to this. And we become these little hoarders, money hoarders, because we believe that money is scarce, Mm -hmm. but I believed, no, I'm someone that triples her investments. This is what I do. I go. And then I went on to 10 times that investment. And funny enough, last week, I just actually paid a 25K pay in full for a six month program with, with a high level coach that is like, you want, you want to talk about money? She's, she's amazing. (laughs) But I had like no drama around it. The girl that was crying over $2,000 now is like 25,000. No problem. I, I, I always get what I come for. I'm the girl who always makes her money back. And I, this is about breaking through the next belief barrier. And like, Mm -hmm. this is what I do. So it started so small. It really started actually if I'm really honest, if I scale back from the $2,000 first investment is when I bought a $500 course with birthday money and I mm-hmm. really wanted clothes. And I'm like, no, I need to learn how to build an email list. and eat these things. I need skin in the game. And yes. it changed, everything changed. And it, it became a snowball of momentum because every investment I made in myself changed my belief, changed how I show up. And it, it attracted more into my life.
1: Well, I love that you have the mantras and affirmations are part of what you do, because I think that that is the biggest thing. Changing our mind is so important. And it comes yeah. up on every episode we have. But I love that when I invest, I always make it back. That's always. such a great one. Everybody yeah. needs to say that because it is so scary. It's so scary. Whether it is a, a $50 course, whether it's a $500 course, whether it's a private coaching, whatever it's, it is one of those things. It is usually a reach and, um, and it's, there's usually evidence of in some, in most people's past where they invested and didn't make it back. And so to change that by just, ingraining that belief and saying that over and over is a huge thing, I think. I think that's super important. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And realizing that you have the power to create your own results. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think so often we put it out there and we project our our outcomes and our results onto our coaches, our teams, our downlines, our friends, the economy. And it's like, no, you. Are responsible for creating your own results and showing up for yourself. And when we understand that, then we feel empowered and we're like, great. Yeah. Therefore, the answer is within me and I can do this.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Not a helpless victim. It's not an accident that I make my money back. It's with intention.
1: Mm-hmm. Love that.
2: Well, I think that self
0: doubt is really what gets a lot of young entrepreneurs. I mean, it's gotten me for the past eight years I've been in business. Like it's still, you know, it still drags me and I'm like, Oh, I just need to like, you know? So I, I, I agree that mindset is everything. And I think it's beautiful. Like how you did it and your story and I'm obsessed.
2: Well, (laughs) on, on that thing of self doubt, I say this to my clients when I'm, when I'm on a call with them, when they're thinking about working with me, I say, I want you to picture yourself after you've made this $5,000 investment. I want you to picture that it's done. It's behind you. Drama's done. We have all the drama leading up to making the transaction. Once a transaction's there, it's the brain's like, "Okay, it's done. Let's get to work." I say, "What are you saying about yourself when you choose to put that money down? What are you saying about what are you saying what declaration are you saying about yourself and your belief?" And they all are like, "I guess I'm believing that I can make it back." I'm like, "The concept. What else? What else?" And they're like, "Well, I guess I'm saying I'm I'm worth it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing changes belief like investing in yourself yes. does.
1: Yeah, that's it's, so powerful. It's putting putting your money where your mouth is, kind of
2: <laughs> literally. Yeah. And I tell my clients, I'm like, hey, how does that feel about your confidence levels when you say I invested? in, in my growth and in my business. Suddenly we're taking ourselves a whole lot more seriously, seriously, because, Oh, I'm, I'm the business owner that does this now. I'm not an amateur. And I tell them, I was like, this is a career move. This isn't a side hustle move. This is a career move.
1: Oh, that's huge. Yeah. That's really big. (laughs) Taking the side hustle mainstream. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I tell them, I'm like, this is not, this is not a decision for a cute hobby. This is a decision for you deciding I want to have a business. And if you want a six-figure paycheck, you start making six-figure decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. Love it. Incredible. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Kristen. Thank you so much yeah. for everything. Like just the way that you communicate is just beautiful and amazing and just straight to the point And it sticks like every, I love it. Uh, <laughs> <It's fun>. Anyways. <laughs> Um, well, we always like to wrap up every episode with two questions. Uh, the first question being,
2: what is your definition of success? Yeah, me personally, it's knowing I'm living fully with purpose and with impact. And I love the quote. I can't remember if it's Dale Carnegie that says this, but if you want to win at life, help as many other people win at life or get what they want. So my success I truly measure on helping as many other people have success in their own life. That is mm-hmm. deeply fulfilling for me. And the Japanese have a word called uh, ikigai, I K I G A I, and it means the reason to wake up in the morning. And that for me is like helping other women get what they want, have mm-hmm. businesses they love, not burnt out, not exhausted, not hating it, but businesses they truly love.
1: Uh love that so good we also always want to ask a three what are the three words that come to mind when you think of the word money mm.
2: neutral love abundant it. available
1: ooh so good love those words love yeah. that Thank you so much. Well, now, if you could share with us all the places we can find you, because everyone I know wants to go (laughs) right now and just absorb everything everywhere.
2: (laughs) Yes. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at underscore becoming underscore boss. And if you loved something on the episodes, screenshot this, shout me out. Let me shout you out on my stories. You can find my free uh, Facebook community becoming boss. And of course I have an online course right now for entrepreneurs who want to have a purposeful platform that is aligned with their purpose. Uh, they have the feeling of the ikigai of waking up with their, the reason for waking up in the morning that yes. I teach a uh, practical online social selling skills and marketing through that course. And it is phenomenal and people are getting amazing results just in module one about finding your purpose. So great. Amazing. Ooh, awesome. Well, I'm
0: sold. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. The Money Made Easy podcast is here to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions.
0: Have topic requests or questions? Email or DM us on Instagram. Remember, you start by starting. Take a small and actionable step towards your financial goals.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. We'll see you next Money Monday.